Welcome back to the Elise DeLucci Show. I'm your host, Elise, and we're live from my living room on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Today, we are talking about needs. You have needs. I have needs. Why do we have to take care of our needs? Because they're freaking important, and we don't. We're always putting our partner first or everybody else first. Well, we're talking about that, okay? We're talking about how to look better on a Zoom call and also holiday recipe time. It's November, baby. It's election day, by the way. Happy election day. Um, We're doing a corn casserole recipe. So it's November, harvesty time. This is a good recipe to make for Thanksgiving. I make it all the time. I just had it over the weekend. We're talking about that. So take a sip of your drink. Stay tuned and enjoy talking to me, Elise. Okay. I have something to tell you. Um, Do you know that the fact of the day today is really hilarious and I've never even heard this before? In Japanese... There is a word for when you eat when you're not hungry. It's called, I'm probably butchering this, by the way. I'm sorry. If you speak Japanese, I'm really sorry for what I'm about to say. It's called kuchisabishi. The direct translation for that word, it means mouth lonely. Can you imagine? And what it really translates into is when you, you eat when you're bored, when you're not hungry and you eat. Kuchisabishi. You know what I've been doing? Kuchisabishi in this whole freaking weekend, okay, because I got, I still got Halloween candy. And you know what? By the way, I think I actually bought the Halloween candy knowing I wasn't going to have trick-or-treaters. I knew there was no trick-or-treating in my building. I knew it, but I bought it and Halloween's, you know, in the past, okay? And I am still eating this candy. You know why? Because I'm mouth lonely. Kuchisabishi. Okay. I, I do have a second fact, though, because that's just, that's just really more of an ADD fact from Elise. <laughs> um, do you know the voice of Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse got married in real life? Yeah, that's true. Is that not the best thing ever? Yeah. Wayne Allwine, he was the voice of Minnie, Mickey Mouse. And Russie Taylor, she was the voice of Minnie Mouse. They got married in real life. They were married for 18 years until he died. Isn't that amazing? I love that. Anyway. So how are you? You good? I hope you're good. Today's election day. I don't know how you're feeling about that. I know how I'm feeling about that in New York. It is bleak here. It is bleak. The the, the city is boarded up. If you want to see what the city looks like, you can go on my TikTok at Elise Delucci and I have pictures there. It's so, it's so horrible. They, like there's no specific reports or specific threats, you know, at this point, but you know, people are just take you doing this as a safety precaution, just boarding everything up, and I get it. Look, God forbid that there's rioting or looting. You know, the 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 um the cost for them to fix the glass and all that kind of stuff and all the merchandise they will lose far outweighs the cost of boarding it up, boarding the place up. But, oh, God, it's bleak. It is just, it's really bad. Um, I drove around I over the weekend, and I... Took some pictures of all the stores. I mean, literally, Bloomingdale's, Harry Winston, Bergdorf's, the NBA store, CVS's, little delis, um, Pacific Sunwear, Sephora, and then, you know, like Chanel and all those kind of little boutique stores. I mean, my God, everywhere is boarded up or has gates down. Some stores are actually closed for the week. I couldn't believe it. Anyway, really sad. But it'll be an interesting week. We will see how this goes. Okay, you know what? I read something, and um, I think you're going to love this. But it made me think. Let me ask the question first. If you went to jail, I know. I know. It's, it's insane. Because you're not going to jail. Neither am I. 
Hopefully. I have nothing to go to jail for. But anyway, then <laughs> you don't need that. But if you went to jail, what would you miss the most? What would you miss the most? Like, if you went to jail, what would you miss the most? Well, the reason why I'm asking this is because... Remember when Martha Stewart went to jail for the Enron thing, this tra Enron trading? She went to Cupcake Camp, right? Well, do you know what? Rosie O'Donnell, I read the story the other day. Rosie O'Donnell, who I love, I remember her talk show. By the way, I should have a talk show like that, right? I should be the next Rosie O'Donnell on daytime TV. Remember her talk show? It was so fun. She used to sit behind the desk and scream out, I love Tom Cruise. And I could do the same thing, but I would say, I love Barbara Streisand, because I really do. But anyway. Okay, so Rosie O'Donnell visited Martha Stewart when she was in jail. And Rosie O'Donnell said when she visited Martha in jail, Martha Stewart told her, you know, the funniest thing. She says, she goes, the, um, you know, so Rosie says, so Martha, like, how you doing? Like, what, you know, what, 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 what's new? What, you know, what do you miss the most, Martha, that now that, that you know, you're in the slammer? And Rosie thought Martha was going to say, my daughter or my dog. Do you know what Martha Stewart said? The flavor of lemon. Can you die? <laughs> the Martha Stewart, what do you miss most now that you're in jail? The flavor of lemon. I mean, really? How annoying is she? But anyway, so what? how cute is Rosie O'Donnell? What wound up happening was when Martha Stewart got out of jail, Rosie O'Donnell arranged for a lemon tree from Italy, from Capri, the Italian Riviera. I've been. It's fabulous, by the way. To to be delivered. She wait. She deli had it delivered to Martha Stewart's doorstep. So when she got out of jail, that was waiting for her when she got home. A beautiful Italian lemon tree from Rosie. I love you, Rosie, and I love that idea. And I like the question too. I don't know what I would miss if when I was in jail. What would you miss? I mean, you know, like it's like a given. Of course, I would miss my kids. Of course, I would miss sex. Of course, I would miss macaroni and cheese. I mean, God, of course. But but, I don't, you know, like, I, you know, so many things. So many things. Anyway. Okay. So this is so important. I feel like this is important. Like, we have to talk about needs. Like, we all have needs. Of course you have needs. I have needs. I'm talking about physical needs, emotional needs. Did you ever think about what your needs are? Because let me tell you something. I did not. Okay? I did not. Um, until recently. Until recently. And I started to think about, um, well, let me tell you why. I started, how this came up was because when I, when I was dating, before I got into my relationship, you know, I'm dating around, blah, blah. And, um, and some of the men I would go out with were, you know, pretty, I guess they were kind of sophisticated guys. Like they, they would talk about their needs. They would say, oh, well, you know, oh, my, my past marriage didn't work out because, you know, um, I needed this and, you know, she needed that and, you know, blah, blah. And this whole idea of needs started to sort of populate in my mind. And I, and I'm not, listen, and for every guy that talked about his needs, I went out with like 10,000 poor bunions, okay? So let me just say that to you. So like, don't think that like, because if you don't live in the city, you're going to, you know, you're never going to meet guys that talk, don't, you know, that talk about needs. So just putting that out there for you. But anyway, but it got me thinking about what are my needs? What this needy shit that everybody's talking about? And, um. And, and so I realized, like, I don't take care of my own needs in a relationship. I don't even put my needs out there. And I don't even know what they are. And I, do you? Because here's the thing. It's crazy to me. It's fucking crazy to me that I got married. I got married in my mid-20s, um, young. But I got married 
And I had a, a marriage and two children, and then I became single again, and then I'm out dating again, and I'm going through my adult life not even knowing what my needs are. And I'm not, and let me, let me, let, let me, let me back this thing up for you, okay? I'm not talking about that I need, you know, a diamond ring or I need, you know, um, a new pair of shoes. I'm talking about like the emotional needs. What do I require? So here's, here's my relationship example. You meet a guy, right? And you love him. You're crazy about him. You're loving him. You're having a great time. You can't believe you're so lucky. And what do you do? What do you do? You do what I do. I know what you do. Or, or a girl, by the way, I should say, or a girl. I know I have some guy listeners. Hello to the men listening. Um, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't only talk about guys, you know, as if, I shouldn't only talk as if only women listen to this, but that's the majority, so you're going to have to deal with it. Anyway, so you meet a guy. You, you're crazy about him. You're loving him. And you just get so wrapped up thinking about the guy, caring for the guy, what are you going to wear for the guy? And especially, by the way, if you're a caretaker, you're thinking about, oh my God, like, what can I do for him? Or, you know, oh, how can I make him happy? Or, oh, I want to, you know, bake him something. And then one day, one day, you wake up and you realize that you baked muffins, you working, you're planning all your date outfits, you're shopping for your date, you're thinking about what you're going to do on Valentine's Day. And then you go on your next date only to realize that you hear this motherfucker talking about work the whole time only to for you to realize again that, hi, hello, I'm here. And you leave the date feeling confused. Do you feel confused when you leave the date? Why is he only talking about himself? What about me? And then you start to think, are my needs being met? And you know what the answer is? No. No. Do you know how many dates I went on? Do you know how many dates I have went on that I've sat across the table listening to some boring guy talk about his boring job and his horrific spreadsheets or his ex-wife and his 10,000 kids and I just had to sit there and nod and smile and God forbid I got a word and all of a sudden I'm dating all these chatty Cathy's. I mean my ex-husband barely spoke but whatever okay whatever so and I I'm barely getting a word in and I'm just thinking this guy is just talking about himself and talking 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 and maybe it's out of nerves and that's fine but what about me do I is it important to me to have mutual conversation um yes is it important to me to contribute and to learn things about you yes but I'm not even thinking that I'm just thinking oh he's so cute tell me more Bradley tell me more anyway but what I got but but in all seriousness what I got wrong in this whole shebang is that I needed to know what my needs were what are what are my freaking needs and then I have to realize what my like steps realize what my needs are do them, like cater to them, embrace my own needs, and then, and then I could be a good partner in a relationship. I didn't do that shit in my marriage. I didn't, you know, I didn't think about my needs and and, and his needs or whatever. I was probably just selfish, you know, working, having two babies in 17 months sort of thing, you know, whatever. I'm not even, I'm not even, I'm not even on that level of thinking. I was in survival mode. Maybe like some of you. Anyway, so do you know Maslow? Maslow's hierarchy of human needs. You know, it's that pyramid. You probably heard about it maybe like when you were in high school, like me. But um, Abraham Maslow is his name. He was an American psychologist, and he's known for creating the Maslow hierarchy of needs, which is a pyramid. And basically, he wrote that all humans need the same thing. They, they essentially need all this stuff to be happy. And you know what? I actually, let me get it. I have, I have who does this? Walks out, 
walks away from the microphone during a podcast. You know what? I had to get something off my kitchen table. What do you expect? So, okay, here it is. I have, this, I have, I print out this picture of the triangle. Google it. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I, I love the triangle, but basically, um, you know, this, this pyramid, it just shows all of what, what humans need. So the bottom, you know, rung of the pyramid is your physical needs, air, food, water, rest, yada, yada. The next rung is security, safety, shelter, stability. The next part of the pyramid, this is, this part's in the middle, social so you need to be loved. You need to feel belo- you need to belong. You want to feel included. The next one above that ego, your need for any sort of self esteem, which you should have, um, power, recognition, prestige, and then at the top, top, tippy top of the pyramid, is this thing that he calls self actualization, which is sort of the need for developing things, making things, creativity, whatever. Anyway, basically, why I'm telling you that is because what Maslow said is that you need you need to have. All of the bottom four parts of the triangle met. Otherwise, people become anxious, right? These are like needs, basic needs that people, that, you know, people need not to have the, no pun intended sort of thing. So it's important, like, sort of to look at this triangle and Google it and see how these things, that your needs are stacked. And when, you know, you sort of get through the that bottom thing, you get through the physical, air, food, water, then you go up to the next one. Now you want to feel safety and shelter and stability, right? Then you go to the next one. Then after you get have safety and shelter and stability and food and water and rest and health, then you want to, you, you know, you're in the middle. You want to feel loved. You want to belong. You want to be included. Anyway, but, you know, here's the thing. I don't know how the stuff your family told you, your grandmother, your mother, you know, whatever, your great-grandmother, but... I feel like you probably heard stuff like this, which is like I know my grandmother would say, you know, listen, if he is he a good guy, if he's not, he's a good guy. If he's not a drunk or a drug addict or a thief and he has a good job, he's a good man, you know. Well, guess what? That that kind of thing that you would hear from like you know your grandparents or whatever. That all that really has to do for the most part is those bottom two rungs of this triangle: physical needs, food, water, whatever security, safety, shelter, like, and these, these people, depression era, you, most often than not, or, or earlier, just thought, well, if they do, the, if the man has those two things, then he's a good guy. Well, what about your fucking needs, right? And, and, and like, and come on, and he must have other needs. He must have needs too. Anyway, so basically the whole idea of this thing and what I'm getting at is that, you know, as, as you move up this pyramid, right? Like Maslow's idea is that your relationship with yourself or with your partner becomes more meaningful and healthy as you rise up on the pyramid. And, and like the whole idea is that that point, that triangle, that self-actualization is someone's full potential. So, you know, it kind of makes sense when, you know, when you think about it, when you look at this thing, which I apologize because you really do, it's a visual thing. You really got to look. If you don't have the bottom you know, parts of the triangle, you cannot move up to the next part. Like if you don't have air, food, and water, if you don't have that, you can't then care about security, safety, shelter, stability, right? You need the bottom to get to the top. And if you don't have the bottom to get to the top, you're going to be stuck. And this is sort of the whole point. Like if you don't have air, food, or water, you're going to be stuck. And that's going to be, that's going to take over your mind. And you're going to have a deep relationship with yourself or with anybody because you're going to be fixated on what you don't have in that bottom rung. So anyway, I 
so for whatever reason, there's this whole idea of needs. And this Maslow triangle doesn't really have to do with relationships per se, but you could make the argument that you could cross it over to the relationships. But the thing is, in terms of our needs, who the fuck tells us what we need? I know. Television, social media, pop culture, our peers tell us what we need. But deep down, like deep, deep down inside of you, do, do you know what you need in a relationship? Like, is it the center hole colonial on a, a 401k? Do you need that for yourself? Do you need that in a man? Or do you need like the feeling of physical safety? You know, did you have, do you have a harsh upbringing of some sort? You know, harsh parents? Do you now need, need to be nurturing to yourself, kind to yourself? Do you also require and need your, a partner that's going to be nurturing and kind? You know? So it's like, what are your needs? Well, I, no, you know, I have no fucking idea. So if you answer this question, if you can answer it, which I, you know, I, I, I had to spend a lot of time thinking about, it, it literally can transform your life. All of a sudden, you have standards. All of a sudden, you said it's basically an exercise in knowing yourself, right? So it's like, I'm learning this, I'm reading about this, I'm thinking, and so this is how I did it. I made a list of what do I like, what do I, and what do I need. I, that's all I did. I literally took a notebook, but what do I like and what do I need? And I wrote it down. And, and that's sort of how I got, and it took me a long time. Because it wasn't like I like chocolate, I, you know, I like to go shopping. It was like just what, what do I like? Like, what do I like in a man? Like, you know what? I actually really like, like, when a man is a good conversationalist. Like, I actually do like somebody that can talk about their feelings. You know, I actually require that. You know, that's a need of mine. You know, and, like, and my own needs, personally, like, I need to be creative. Like, that's just in my ethos. And I, I need that for myself. I do that on my own time. You know, obviously, I, you know I'm stand-up. And, if, and I do things like this. And if I don't have a partner that also understands that my need to be creative doesn't respect it, then guess what? He's not for me, right? So it's like I, mine, those, for whatever reason, it's such a basic, it's such a basic idea. Like it's such a basic idea. Like who are you, right? But for whatever reason, it wasn't even on my radar. Um, is, was, is it on your radar? I'm, I'm like really curious. Like, do you, did you ever take a second to ask yourself, you know, like, like, what do you really need from the, another man? Like, what do you need, like, for yourself? Because I think that if you, if we all did that, a lot of us probably wouldn't be divorced, you know? Like, what are my own personal requirements for happiness? You know, and like, but kind of like I said before, like, did with the, you know, if you had a sort of a harsh parent, like, did your past experiences shape you? And then that, that, that like shadows what you need, right? So like my parents got to, from using myself as an example, my parents got divorced and, um, and it was an insane divorce. And my father was, you know, in and out of the family when I was older, as I got older and that there was an abandonment issue there. So, you know, I had to recognize that that was through therapy and whatever, but I had to recognize that I had that issue. But it was like, also, <clears throat> what do I need? I need to feel secure. I need to feel safe. I need to be, be, I need to feel, I need to do that for myself. I need to trust myself. I need to make sure that I'm secure myself. 
in all different manifestations. Maybe that's physically secure, like locks on the door. Maybe it's financially secure, whatever it is. But that's also became a priority for me in my need for a man. Like I can't, I, I, so, you know, so then I started dating and I'm saying as the guys I meet and, you know, we're talking about just what you like and what you dislike. And I just come out and say it, you know, one of my needs are, you know, I really, you know, need to feel like safe, like safety and security is like a big thing for me. And, um, the more I did it, the thing is, is the more I did it, once I realized what my needs were, once I realized what my needs were, once I was checking in with myself and thinking about it, I then was saying, are my needs being met? You know, and like, if they weren't, how can I make that happen for myself? If I was in a relationship, how can they make that happen? Are they able to make that happen? You know, but essentially I found out what my fucking needs were. I got comfortable making them my needs, understanding them. And I made it known to myself and to who I was with. And, you know, the thing is, is like, it's either a relationship in terms of your love relationship, right? Like all this shit, it's either going to work or it's not going to work. Like the, the harsh reality, I guess, but like it's, it could, this all this shit could sound selfish. Like I feel like I hear voices like in my head of like, you know, particular people in my life being like, oh, what were you talking about? That sounds so selfish. Like your needs, like your needs, like whatever. But you want to know what, if you think about it, it's actually selfless. It sounds selfish. What are my needs? I need this. I need that. But no, think about it. I'm saying I have needs. This is what they are. And you have needs. And this is what your needs are. And if they don't jive, if we don't line up, that's fine. If you can't meet them and I can't meet yours, no worries. Like it was great meeting you. It was great, you know, dating you for a few months, but we got to keep it moving. And you'll, and I will find the right partner for me and you'll find the right partner for you. And that's just like, that's just a thing. And by the way, I just want to say the need don't only have to be like, you know, all like so deep, you know, like when I started talking about this with friends, it was like, you know, one of my girlfriends was like, I realized that like, so she grew up, how she grew up, um, she grew up in the countryside and she grew up that being in nature was really important to her, you know, and, but yet she lives in the city and she's going out with these guys and that's, you know, we don't, who has trees here? Who has a tree? I'm lucky I have a slice of the sky from my apartment let alone see a tree. I haven't, I don't see a tree ever unless I'm in the park. But so that was one of her needs. Her needs was to spend time in nature with, she wanted to do that with herself. So she hikes, whatever. And then she wanted to do that with a partner. So, you know, it's like, can she do it? Can she go hiking by herself? Yeah, sure. But that was actually became really important to her. Something she wants to do with somebody else. And I get it. So, you know, ultimately what it comes down to look is if you're practicing self-care, this is a thing of self-care. And if you want to become, not to sound corny, more authentic, you know, and available for your relationships with yourself, with your partner. This is what you have to do. And I, I listen, let me tell you something. I read all these, I have, I have all books, shelves of self-help books and all this living authentic and living your true life and all that. Blah, blah. I mean, like some of these words, they literally make me gag. I mean, I don't know about you, but they make me so nauseous. I get such nausea from it. Like I read the, live your authentic life. I'm like, well, not really like I'm worried about putting food on the table for my kids working and paying my bills on time you're talking about living my best life okay Oprah but but the thing is is that like when you take away all the flowery language and the bullshit I think it um it really is important so I just wanted to share that with you on my thoughts and I'm curious if you if you had needs with what they are how how do you honor them with yourself how do you communicate them with your partner 
you know, it's like not easy. Some people, you know, you just meet a guy or girl and you're just like, oh, well, it's convenient. It's great. He's the height I look for. He's the religion I like. He lives in the area that I like. And ah, we'll make it work. But no, no. Then a lot of those people end up getting divorced, you know? Anyway. Okay. I am doing so many Zoom calls. Are you? I'm just going to say yes. I think you are. So... <clears throat> The first few times when I was doing Zoom calls, like working from home, I mean, I'm talking about like in March, April, May, I was just looking like a real haggard train wreck. I mean, I was putting on makeup, but you know, it was like I was all shiny and I was like my, the, the, the camera was up high, whatever. So then I started putting on makeup or whatever, and, you know, for the calls, of course, work day and I felt better. I felt put together. But then I realized that there's these other things. Once I started playing around with Zoom, I realized that there's these other functions on the, the platform that I didn't know. Like, okay. Did you know that on Zoom, there's a touch-up filter? So, like, it's, like, kind of like Snapchat, but it's on Zoom. So, if you go, if you if you open up your Zoom, right, you go to the lower left-hand corner of the screen and you find video settings, if you check, and then you check the box, and it says, touch up my appearance, literally, like, it, it makes you, like, a little bit more beautiful. <laughs> I know. It's so crazy. But basically, like, it basically, like, gets rid of some of your imperfections, they say it like softens your skin. And you know what? I love it. I love it. Touch up my appearance with your magic wand. All you want, Zoom baby. The other thing that um, I use, I do use a lot, I use all the time, is the background. I do a, a background because, uh, you know, they have this tool. It's like called virtual backgrounds or whatever because, look, I live in a small apartment. I don't have an office. I mean, if I'm doing a Zoom call and my kids are doing remote school and they're in the kitchen and they need to be quiet, like sometimes I'm doing the Zoom calls and I'm in I'm in my bedroom. I mean, and nobody wants to see my headboard because then it looks like I just woke up and from a nap, from a day's slumber, and I logged into the Zoom. So anyway, you can upload your own images for the background image if you want. All you have to do when you're meeting, it's like what I do is you click, when you go into your next meeting, you click like the up arrow. It's like a you know, a, a V pointing up next to the start stop video. And then you choose a virtual background. So, you know, you could, you can choose one that they have, or you can upload your own photos and listen, it's good. The one thing I, I haven't done yet, but I'm, I'm getting there. I am going to get there, which all my girlfriends do. And like, how could you not do this, Elise? And it's putting, putting your computer, your MacBook, your iPad on a, a stack of books. It's like the book stack hack. And basically, like, you make a tower of books. Like, you, you get your cookbooks, like, four or five cookbooks. You line it up, and then and then you put your laptop on top of it. And, you know, you push the, the screen down a little bit so your colleagues basically aren't looking up your nose. And, uh, I, listen, I, I haven't done that because I don't want to stand on my Zoom calls, okay? Like, I want to sit, and I don't have a chair that swivels up and down. So I haven't done the book stack hack. But... But it's it's good. But and essentially, what my friends told me is that if you don't want to do the books or whatever, just think of it as you want to raise your laptop so your camera lens, that camera you know in the top middle of your computer, meets your eye. Once once that meets your eye level, nobody's looking up your schnoz. So, you know, these these are good. These are good useful tools. So if you if you're doing Zoom or whatever you're using. Uh, Microsoft Teams or join me. It's, I don't know Skype. Uh, I don't know, but Zoom. These are the specific ones for Zoom. But but I think they all are starting to have their own little secret sauces. But the book stack hack is really for any of them. Okay. Did you think about 
the holidays. You think about food around the holidays. I am because I always think about food. I'm always thinking about eating. I have a serious food hoarding issue. So um, around this time of the year, we've either it's like a maybe on a, like a Sunday for like a big meal or. Or if I'm making something for like a Friendsgiving. Hi, Priscilla, if you're listening, because we did that last year and I made it. I make this thing. It's called a corn casserole. It's so good. This recipe comes from my Aunt Camille. Hi, Aunt Camille, if you're listening. And um, she makes this every year. And it's so good. And it's so easy. And you probably have all this stuff in your pantry. I want to tell you how to make it. Wait, let me just say. My boyfriend calls this a corn cake. He thinks it's like a corn cake or like a corn pudding. It's delicious, and he could call it whatever the hell he wants. It's not that healthy. But so you make it in a Pyrex dish or a casserole, you know, dish, whatever you have. And this is how you make it. You take a big bowl. This is so easy. A big big mixing bowl. Two cans of corn, you know, like whole kernel corn, whatever you have. Two cans of corn. Drain them, obviously. One can of creamed corn. And by the way, we're talking about 14-ounce cans, the regular size cans. So two cans of whole corn, one can of creamed corn, one cup of of sour cream, one box of Jiffy corn muffin mix, and one stick of butter. So the Jiffy corn muffin mix, I'm sure you know what that is, but if you don't, it's a little small box. You can find the baking aisle of these supermarkets. blue. It's so retro and cute. It comes right out of the 50s. So you use a box of that. The one stick of butter, you got to melt the butter. So all you do is you put all these ingredients in a bowl, stir it together, and that's it. Stir it together, melt the butter, stir all this shit together, and you pour this mixture into a greased pan. I spray a Pyrex dish with the, you know, the olive oil spray, and you bake it in the oven at 350 for 45 minutes or until it's like golden brown. I so I made I actually made this yesterday and um, I baked it for around 55 minutes because for whatever reason when I at 45 minutes I put my knife in the middle. It doesn't need to come out completely dry, by the way. It can come out like a little moist, but mine was like very moist. I also had all other stuff in the oven, so it's like kind of crowding the oven. That's probably why it didn't cook as as fast. Um, but you don't want it like dry, dry like a cake, but you 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 do want it moist, but it's like 45 minutes, 55 minutes. It's so good. It is so good. And by the way, after the 45 minutes, if you want, you could sprinkle a little cheddar cheese on top of there, whatever you have, put it back in the oven, you know, for, for another five, 10 minutes, let the cheese melt. Mmm, so good. It's so fattening. I mean, I'm literally saying like, part of my dinner yesterday was a cup of sour cream, a stick of melted butter, and a bunch of cans of corn. I don't give a who. Oh, and corn muffin mix. So good. I would love to know what, um, what you guys make, some side dishes you guys make. If you tell me, if you write them to me uh, on TikTok, I'll make them. I, I'll make them and, and share the recipe on here. I love that. I love sharing recipes. It's so fun. Okay. I have a product that I use. It's a coat. I want to share it with you. I think it's wonderful. I think you're going to like it. Do you know Uniqlo? You shop at Uniqlo? I like Uniqlo. If you don't know it, Uniqlo. U-N-I-Q-L-O. It's a Japanese brand. It's in Manhattan. It's a chain. It's a lot. It's chains everywhere. You know, they're in a lot of malls or whatever. I don't, I buy a lot of stuff from there actually. One of the things I love from there, and I bought this um, for my sister a couple years ago for Christmas, is they have this packable short down jacket that's so, it's just nice. It's lightweight. It's called the, so Uniqlo, Women's Ultra Light Packable Down Parka. Ultra Light Packable Down Parka. 
all it is. It's a short, thin puffer jacket, but this is what I like about it. It has a hood. It rolls up into a little tiny, you know, coffee can size. It goes into a little pouch that it comes with. It's it's water repellent. It has a matte finish, so you don't look like you don't you know you don't look like a oil slicked you know like bug running around with your puffy jacket on. And like I said, it's thin, so it's 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 not crazy slimming, but it's thin in the sense of you don't feel bulky. And I say when I say it's not crazy slimming, it's because it's not cut. It's not cut like you know to go in if you're a girl. It's not cut to go in on your waistline. But they do make it for men too, by the way. But it's so good, sixty nine dollars. I think that's a good price. And it comes in all these colors. It comes in black, navy, red, pink. I love this coat. It comes in, they have it for kids. I really, really like it. It's like, uh, it's not as warm, you know, as one of these Canada Goose or like a North Face sort of thing. But if you live in a place where it gets to be maybe 40 degrees or whatever, you know, that that's the coldest it gets. This is a nice jacket to have. Or if you want a jacket for the fall. I love it. I wear it with sweats, you know, and run around to the store. It's great. Anyway, questions from the audience. So some of my TikTok friends, they send me some questions, and I pick a couple to answer them for you. Okay, question one. These are really fun questions. I love these. Question one, what's your favorite restaurant in New York? Oh, God. I mean, I have so many. I don't even know how I'm going to answer that. I'm going to tell you a few. Second Avenue Deli for Jewish Deli. They have a couple locations. Um... They just opened one on the Upper East Side that uh, a few years ago, but they have the one that I go to. It's like uh, in the 30s. Second Avenue Deli. I get a corned beef on rye sliced thin with Russian dressing on the side. Oh, I love it. And I also get other things like a matzo ball soup and a potato knish with applesauce and sour cream because, you know, because you just have to. Um, okay. I like Cafe Habana for Cuban sandwiches. It's in Nolita. It's a little you know, take out you know, eat in. There's like five tables in there. Cuban sandwiches are so good. Cuban food. Cafe Havana. If I'm in the mood for like sort of a business lunch or if I'm with a guy and I want to suggest something, I might pick something like clubby. I like these sort of like clubby-ish places like the 21 Club I really like or PJ Clark's. The PJ Clark's is like more of a pub. But, you know, they're sort of like dark-ish, wood-ish. If you go there after work, you might see some cute, nice husband-like men there that you might love. Um, I like that with those two restaurants. For Italian food, I like Antonucci or Paola's. Both of those restaurants are on the Upper East Side. Antonucci bonus is next door to Madonna's house, by the way. Um, Both are really, really good for Italian food. And for Indian, I like Tamarind, Tribeca, Dawat, D-A-W-A-T, Dawat, and Midtown. Yeah, that's what I like. You know... Pizza, I like John's Pizza. For a slice of pizza. Just a slice. Just a regular old pizza ring. I'll tell you what I don't like. I do not like restaurants that give you a big giant white plate and put one shrimp in the middle and say that dinner is served. I am very upset when that happens. If I go to a restaurant and I order something on a menu and the entree comes out and it's the size of a bottle cap in the middle of a plate with some squiggles of sauce around the plate to make it look pretty, I'm leaving. Okay. <laughs> Like, I go to the restaurant to eat, okay? Anyway. Question two. You posted TikTok of the Met. What's your favorite museum? Okay. This is, this, is a, this, is, this is a good one. I love this, too. I have two favorite museums in New York. The first favorite museum that I have is the Tenement Museum. 
Um, if you don't know what that is, I will tell you. The Tenement Museum is a museum about tenement apartments. It's on the Lower East Side, this museum. It's on Orchard Street specifically. If you don't know what tenements are, tenements were low-rise apartment buildings. They had tons of apartments in them. So they were low-rise buildings with multiple apartments inside. The tenements were narrow, like railroady sort of apartments. Um, usually these apartments had three rooms. And they, they were very popular um, from like the 18, late 1800s to the early 1930s. And so a lot of immigrant families, like Italian families, like myself, um, the Jewish families, you know, they, the Irish families, they would come to New York and they would live in these tenement apartments. And it was very common at this time for like a family of 10 to live in a 300 square foot apartment. And so this museum, the Tenement Museum on Orchard Street, is so fascinating because basically what they do is um, they restore these apartments. They've restored apartments, and they give you a tour. That's what it is. You pay. It's like it's like it's like house hunters back in time. How could you not love that? It's amazing. Um, they give you a tour. They have costume interpreters. They they show you what the kitchens look like. They have food in the actual kitchens. They talk about who lived in these apartments formerly, where they live now. It's so cool. They talk about what kind of foods they used to eat, how they used to sleep, what the clothes looked like. It's just so cool. I love that. I love that museum. It's actually closed right now because of COVID. I, I'm gonna get, it better open back up. It's so great. You have to go there. The other uh, museum I like is on the Upper East Side. It's called the Frick. Um, the Frick is a. It's on uh, 70th Street and. Fifth Avenue, one seventieth Street is the exact address. It's an old mansion, an old mansion owned by a guy um, Henry Clay Frick. He was a industrialist, and um, he was also an art collector. And this this museum, why I really like it, is just because it's in a huge freaking mansion. And I, if you have like, there's a theme here. I clearly like real estate and houses. Um, and so you go, you know, you pay your admission, whatever. And the the museum, it's all this beautiful art, uh, and you know, the art is. Um, like the old masters sort of painting. So beautiful oil paintings, but it's just in this beautiful mansion. And you're just like, am I really in a mansion on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, like standing in it and in all its glory? And it's just awesome. And the museum, um, the, the, the guy, Henry Clay Frick, he lived in it, in this house, like I think in the 1900s, and then it was turned into a museum, I think uh, in 1930 or midnight, maybe 1935 or something. But it's really cool, and I love that. Quote of the day. Quote of the day. The way you treat yourself sets the standards for others. Sonia Friedman. I love that. You love that? The way you treat yourself sets the standards for others. Of course. Of course. Makes perfect sense. Anyway, that's all for the Elisa Lucci Show today. Thank you for listening. I'm so happy. I'm always so happy to talk to you guys. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And Spotify, you can leave a review. You can find me on TikTok at Elise Delucci. You can find me on uh, Instagram at Elise Delucci. Or you can visit my website, elisedelucci.com. I will talk to you soon. Bye.